0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. We um, are going to jump straight into it. We've been talking a lot. Our theme for this year is Let's Stand. And uh, I think especially in what's happening in the world, especially in the West, A lot of people and Christians are withdrawing and with sort of like hiding and people in our nation. um, There's a lot of fear that would motivate people, especially in this time, the week of the elections. Then some people like, sure, think like, should I not run away? Should I not do this or whatever? Um, I think a, a lot of us, a lot of motivation comes of people, you know, are hopeless. They are afraid. There's a lot of things. And so... Uh, we've been talking from the beginning of the year how do we how do we stand in these times and how do we portray the character of Christ so I'm going to uh, tackle sort of something in this month specifically we're going to introduce a lot of the ministries that we are um, that's in the church and part of the church like Prochorus and Mama Temba and stuff so m- this month we're dedicating to also introducing those ministries and especially with the focus on serving and we're going to talk a little bit about that but let's just um, sort of remind ourselves, because we spoke about this thing, and especially last year, um, I was had a, a dream, and in that dream, um, the Lord sort of gave me a couple of things, and he asked me like do we, do I think there 's still idols and idolatry in the in the West and especially for us in the church and um, and I thought like sure, what would the idols be because if you would go to India and other places there 's like these Poles that people walk around, and then China is the tree worshippers. It's actually, it's actually amazing to watch those tree worshippers. They just walk around and round and round and round for hours. There's actually like a thick hole into the, the mud already walked out as they worship the tree. And I wonder what they think when they worship that tree. You know, um, but so people do a lot of stuff or religious stuff, and on the outside and that's easy to recognize idolatry you know it's easy to see it from a from a distance and say oh yeah look here this guy really like you worship idols but the the most challenging idols are the idols of our hearts the hidden stuff the stuff we sometimes escape to the stuff we do the um and and sort of like you know what the, the question would be what would be your default if there's challenging times in your life what what do you run to when there's a storm in your life, what, what comes out? What is the stuff, you know? And I was sitting at a wedding because my wife and I, we do weddings on weekends. That's our hobby. Um, you know, we've done 316 weddings in the last couple of years. Um, so we we sort of see a lot of people and we connect with a lot of people um, that would ne- not necessarily come to church. But it's always fun to know who people are going to sit where the the couple that invited us and that when i'm doing the wedding where they're going to put us at the table so here we're sitting um opposite this guy that is like i call him a rough diamond shoot from the hip type of person you know so the first um sort of the first sentence there was already two swear words in you know he says yeah and then he just you know blasted he says what you see is what you get and then he started and i thought like oh this is gonna be a very interesting conversation you know um and then this guy just had it for a while and then he's like and he says oh yeah but i'm also a christian and all that stuff you know and then obviously as the red wine goes on um you know there's more boldness to speak and more boldness you know then the real stuff gets out Um, but but i actually had we had lots of fun because we laughed at this guy at least he was real and honest you know about his hurt in church and stuff like that and you could sort of like the red wine obviously helped a lot but so you know he he put stuff on the table and the stuff that was really in his heart came out you know not not everybody is like that you know we then especially in south africa we tend to hide stuff we tend to like you know keep stuff to ourselves and but sometimes when those idols come or stuff that we put or we, and it can even be our fears, we can run to stuff and then that can sort of be our comfort, your fears. Do you know that your fears can be a comfortable place for you to run to? Um, you know, so what is idolatry? We looked at that, the definition of idolatry according to Webster is the worship of idols or excessive devotion to or reverence or for something or some person. An idol is anything that replaces the one true God. The most prevalent form of idolatry in the Bible times was the worship of images that were thought to embody the various pagan deities. Now, modern day idols, what is modern day idols in our lives is comfort, choices we can make. Stellenbosch, we have a lot of choices. Culture, complacency, compromise, and conformity. I'm going to say it again. Comfort, our comfort, choices, culture, complacency, compromise, conformity. You know, John Stott says there's a, there's a lot of stuff. The fruit that comes out of that is materialism, ethical relativism, narcissism, or a b- couple of big words, okay? So think about what that is. If you don't know, just go on with life, okay? But so, so sometimes our cultural stuff or our comfort or our complacency and conformity, do you know conformity, the, the world wants us to conform. The world doesn't want us to stand up for anything. The world doesn't want you to take a stand spiritually. Uh, the devil doesn't want that. And so we we see a lot of, Christians drifting into this uh, non land type of thing like oh you know uh where it's in Afrikaans there's a saying water where akker." We'll just see what is the results but it's almost like the, the strength and the courage is lost. And so part of um what has happened is we, we need to almost say, Okay, but what, what does God expect of us not just in running out there but but simply in the condition of our hearts? um and I, I had this moment yesterday because now obviously we went to the wedding yesterday afternoon and so yesterday i was preparing and the, the whole morning took out the whole morning and the sun was shining i wanted to go out and then suddenly i had a bit of a self-pity moment but you know self-pity is is a is a sin did you, did you know that <laughs> yeah i thought like yeah i must sit and every saturday morning i must sit here yeah, while well, people jog and people do all that stuff and i'm just like you know and then, then suddenly you get yourself into this like self-beamering this like you know oh you know i feel so used you know and then you realize like but that's what you pray all the time to the lord lord use me and then you complain when god begins to use you and you feel used you know you think like Lord, recognize me, you know, what am I, you know, like the donkey in Shrek jumps up and say, pick me, pick me, and then when the Lord picks you, you think like, why did he pick me, you know, I could have done something else, but um, the amazing thing, and when we talk about serving this morning, it's, it's not about stuff we do, it's about who we are, because God, in essence, is the greatest servant um that's that's the difference between just doing a lot of stuff for god because we feel guilty Yeah. and um so the approach would be what if you would see somebody on the street and a lot of people in Stellenbosch would see a street person and just give them money so that they can get rid of them and and by the way don't please don't give money to people here yeah, at church or at the street you're not helping them you're not helping them in their problem yeah you're actually advancing their problem by giving money because they can't handle that. But there was this moment in, in, in with the disciples, and we all know the scriptures. I'm going to just read the three scriptures and then talk about it a little bit. In Luke chapter 9, and they were all amazed at the majesty of God. Now, Jesus just was on the Mount of Transfiguration. He just showed himself, wow, he's this great guy. Peter and these guys wanted to build a sacrifice there, an altar there. These things were happening. Then he comes down, he cast out a demon out of this person. And now they were all amazed at the majesty of God. But while everyone marveled at all the things which Jesus did, he said to his disciples, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed in the hands of men. But they did not understand the saying. And was hidden from them, so they did not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about the saying. Then a dispute arose among them as to which of them would be the greatest. And Jesus, perceiving the thought of their heart, took a child and sat by him and said to them, Whoever received this little child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For you as least among you will all all be great. Isn't this this amazing? (laughs) The Lord is showing his glory, and in that moment, suddenly the guys are beginning to fight about who is the greatest. Who's going to be the greatest? Who's going who's to be the top notch in the kingdom? And, um, and so Jesus perceiving their hearts, because it's amazing. Jesus always looks at our hearts first. <laughs> you cannot hide your heart from the Lord. You can do everything on the outside and you can go through the motions. And sometimes we pretend to be real, but then we're actually, you know, hypocritical. We're sort of like an actor. Sometimes we show people, you know, we come to church and say, How are you? Oh, great. Fantastic. I'm blessed. I'm over the moon, and then you realize, like, but did, didn't you just, like, lose your job this week? If, if I was in your shoes, I would have been miserable, you know? I would have just, like, like, so just say sometimes, it's not going well, but God is good, and God is faithful, you know? But, but sometimes we're very great at pretending, yeah. You know? And so, in that sense, in our relationships, if we're not real with God and with each other, then we always like superficial because it's easy to control your situation and keep people from a distance until you allow them to come very close because that's a vulnerable spot for all of us. Yeah, a, vulner- a vulnerability and sort of a, a brokenness that we don't want to show people because the world conditions us not to do that. And so part of that brokenness comes in what we're talking about today, servitude and humility. And so in John 13 probably one of the most amazing moments in the ministry of of christ um verse 13 says you call me teacher and lord and you say well for so i am if i then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for i've given you an example that you should do as i have done to you most assuredly i say to you a servant is not greater than his master nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him we we see this beautiful example where jesus goes down and it wasn't the cust. there was supposed to be somebody to wash the feet, and then Jesus just goes down on his knees and he washes the feet of the disciples. And Peter says, uh, Lord, this can't be, this is, this is impossible, you can't wash our feet. And then Jesus says, well, if you, if you don't understand this part, if you don't enter into this relationship with me, then you're going to be in trouble. You, you can't, if I, you know, Peter says, oh, then wash everything. He says, no, no, let, let me just start there, you know, your dirty feet. And so, I don't know if you've ever washed somebody's feet, but sometimes, you know, some people's feet doesn't smell so nice, but hallelujah, you yeah? know? But it's quite humbling when you do that, but it's probably more humbling to receive when somebody washes your feet, Yeah. Or um, how, the other question that I want to ask is, how do you respond when somebody gives you a gift, not on your birthday, but on another day that you didn't deserve, you didn't work for it? What would your response be? Quickly turn to your neighbor and say, What if somebody comes just up here this morning and just gives you this thousand rand gift? What would your response be? Like, Wow, give me more, or like you would be suspicious? Quickly talk to somebody next year. If somebody gives you a gift, How many of you? How many of you here would like just open it up and just like, wow, go go ballistic about the gift? Okay, Eva, there's at least one too. How mo- how, let's be honest. How many of us would think like, first, our first thing would be, we would be a bit suspicious? Why does this person give me a gift? Come, okay, okay. How many of us would think that if somebody has given me this gift, I I immediately begin to think of how I'm going to repay them or what I should do in return. (laughs) Okay? Thank you for your honesty. There's some people here that's just like thinking like, ooh, let them not see what I'm at. But both of the last two responses is a problem with pride. Did you know that? And, And it's just a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing because we think we must earn things. And then we do exactly with God. Then God says, hey, my gifts are free. And then we think like, should I, should I earn it? So Jesus demonstrated this in this moment of washing their feet. I want you to walk in humility. You need to receive from him. You, we, we can't give unless we've come to first receive from him. And Jesus would wash all of our feet. And that's like, sure. That's why I love... Philippians chapter 2. Please go and read it at home. About the character of Christ. One of my favorite chapters. Philippians chapter 2 and Philippians chapter 3. But especially that place of, of the Bible describing him to be the humble king. And because of the humility in which he served. Came to lay down his life. Therefore God has exalted him above every other name. And by the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. So. So our challenge today, and especially with all the uh, elections coming up, let me just make an announcement. Politicians cannot save this nation. No political party can save this nation. Don't for a moment think, we want everyone to vote, because you cannot complain about the country if you're not voting. Amen? It's our duty as Christians to vote. But politicians don't save our country. And that's what Jesus said, but Jesus called them to himself in Matthew 20 and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them, yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Richard Foster says, therefore, the spiritual authority of Jesus is an authority not found in a position or a title, but in a towel. Your authority lies in that heart's condition on how you serve God and how you serve others. And so the world works completely different. It's about who gets the most likes on this and who's the this and who's that and who's got the most bodyguards. But unfortunately, a lot of that is also in church. Oh, the pastor with the title, you know, the pastor with that. And we have to have respect for the position of authority that people have. Because we're not going to walk up to President Ramaphosa and then say, "Hey, buddy, how are you? Lekker yeah. lacquer. I heard you, you know—sold this ox for so many, you know—and and, and you have a rhinoceros there at home and all that stuff, you know. You do, lekker lacquer, How you, buddy? You know, uh, you're not going to get close to him because there's protocol. But in our hearts, there's a challenge. All of us. We need to know, even in what the world is doing, servant leadership is what God has called us. And if you are here today, and if you have got to work in South Africa, it means you're already a leader. If you have passed matric, you are already a leader. If you have some position where there's other people around you, you are a leader. So everybody's been called to leadership, not just some people that has a title or a position. But when we serve... And you can go to the next slide because we're going we're gonna to pray today. So we're going to go out and take communion at the end of the service in groups. And we're going to pray for the elections. And we're going to pray for each other. We're going to serve each other. So I'm just like giving the introduction to the real sermon that's going to happen out there. We can serve out of a place of self-righteousness. We serve to be recognized, to control others, to get external rewards. Or we serve out of a humility. We serve out of a place, yes, where our flesh can die. Because, you know, one day there was, I was praying and, and somebody then came to me. It was up in Joburg and this, this guy asked me, like, in your body, which are the most important organs? Benjamin? Your heart, your lungs. Your liver, not your ear or your nose or the stuff that we decorate. The most important stuff are the organs inside, are the unseen organs of your body. You can lose your ear and you can lose your nose. You can lose your fingers and feet and all that stuff. You can lose a leg, but you can't lose your heart. And so the things that the world recognizes in our culture is the outward stuff. And if you and I continue to play into that culture, we will never be satisfied because what you wear and where you go and the outside stuff is not going to determine your identity or your worth. But when we come into self-righteousness, that's what we start to do. Even in the kingdom of God, we serve on the outside because we take it on ourselves to be righteous, but it's only Jesus' righteousness that we can walk into. And therefore, the inward parts, what happens in the heart and the way we serve, the way we love each other, the way we do stuff when nobody else sees, that's when it really matters. It's not about our jumping up and down. It's not about how we psych each other up and how good we look as Christians. But but what happens when you go to bed at night? What do you think about? What do you think about when you think about God? Do you think about God? And so the, the challenge is, in our hearts, God would regularly come to us and say but you can't do anything in your own righteousness that's called self-righteousness and it will bring you to deception because if you're going to try harder and you're going to try to do it on the outside to get it into a relationship with god there's no way you're going to make it because hey it's built on how you can control the situation how you can control your relationship with god how you can determine the outcomes but when you serve god it's this fun ride with him this fun walk with him but there's times when you when it's going to be really challenging like last night i was sitting there and i'm thinking like lord i'm quite tired of working the whole day and all of that stuff and now i'm placed next to this in front of this guy that just like you know he just like goes for it you know and i'm sitting there i'm thinking like okay lord What I'm going to do now is I'm going to walk up to the toilet. I'm going to sit in the toilet for five minutes and I'm going to pray say, Lord, help me! Deliver me from all... So I go back with a smile and I think like, Hallelujah, Lord, you would also serve this guy. So here I'm sitting here. And eventually we had such a great time actually just like, Hey, because this guy's just a shoot from the hip guy, you know, and he's been in church, he's been into this charismatic church, he's been hurt there, he's been offended there. He doesn't really go to church. But eventually you realize like there's something in his heart. Yeah, because normally we'll just write the guy off and say, put him in a box because why? Then I can control him. I can say, oh, you're just one of those people, and you know what? Better that you, like, just drink your red wine, you know? But when it come, becomes, when serving others and when serving God becomes worship, it's completely different. Can I get an amen? This is not one of those, like, psych up sermons, but it's part of life, you know? It's part of christian walk so we have a choice to make and that choice is simply between serving and becoming a servant serving is where when and i'm still in control but when jesus is lord of your life it means he is in control and then we become servants now many people don't like this but when you read a lot of what paul writes he doesn't use the word servant he actually uses the word slave No, no, but that doesn't sound good, you know. That that doesn't sound nice. I'm not going to, you know, I'm so free in God that I can't be a slave, you know. But the basis of sonship is really first to be a slave of God. And that doesn't mean to be doing stuff because a normal slave doesn't, you know, have any promise of inheritance. But a son has a promise of an inheritance, of a freedom of an identity in him, not based on what we do, but there's still a place where we have to serve. We have to lay down our lives. <laughs> and therefore, servanthood then becomes a lifestyle. It's not a, a bunch of stuff that we do. And, and let's be honest, all of us, we struggle with that. We struggle to receive, and therefore we struggle to really be servants. Because we're thinking and we've been conditioned to think of what, what's the outcome, or how can I control it, or how can I do it? And so God comes, and that's why God will deal with issues in our hearts, and he will say, hey, I will exalt the humble. I will exalt those because you voluntarily give up your rights. Paul actually used this term bond servant, a bond slave. It was a slave that had to work for the master, but then after a while he was set free, and then voluntarily... He decided because the master was so good that he's going to serve this master for the rest of his life. And even some of these bond servants would die and get into the grave when they decide to die when the the master would die or when the master has died. They would actually get into the grave alive with this master and say, bury me because when my master's life is over, mine is finished as well. It's a slave that's completely free, but it's given up all of his rights. And so that's the question for us as Christians going through life. Although we've got all this freedom in Christ, what do we do with that freedom? And if somebody has sort of given you all this freedom and you realize like, wow, he's given me so much, then my response and your response should first just be thankfulness. Should be like, wow, I was dead and now I'm alive. I wasn't a sinner and they fixed me up a little bit so that I can become a better Christian. I was dead in my trespasses and in my sins. And now I'm alive. I've got life. Okay? Imagine somebody rescues you out of the ocean. You're busy drowning. You're at the end of yourself. Help, help. Here you're floating and here comes the lifesaver. Drags you out. CPR on the, on, the, on, the, on the beach and after two days you come out of the coma and you want to just know who's this guy that saved my life. Are you just going to go on with your life or are you going to go, "Whoa, I'm forever indebted to you for saving me. That's what Jesus did. And so serving isn't a stuff we do to control our situation or stuff on the outside. It's, it's all about the condition of our hearts. It's when we, when we learn to, to give thanks, to give, you know, to voluntarily give up our rights. So how can, how can we serve? There's a lot of ways how we can serve, you know. We serve first in the hidden things where nobody sees. We're going to talk about that at the end. We serve in small things. Because most of you people, if we go to you and say like, hey, uh, would, you, would you serve? Then people would say, oh, I'm so busy. I'm, I'm just so busy with my life. I don't have time. But how do we serve people just in common courtesy? It's called like respect. For me, the barometer is how do you treat that lady behind the till? How do you treat the petrol guy that throws in petrol? Because you're on a rush somewhere. You're going to your next appointment. 11 p.m. at night. You need to get home. And there's a petrol guy that is probably going to work there till 2 a.m. How do you treat that guy? Because that's when it boils down to whether we want to be served or whether we are servants. Because that guy is probably from Zimbabwe and his family is at home and he has to work late night shifts, sometimes three jobs, to send 80% of his finances back home to keep his family going. He doesn't have the choices like most of us have. How do we serve them or do we just want to be served? Hey, throw in the petrol and get there and you know, and I'm definitely not going to give you a 10% tip because you didn't do well enough according to my standards. (laughs) Are we servants or do we just want to be served? Then something else that is really like, you know, how are we listening to people? When people talk to us now, I'm very bad at this because after three minutes in any conversation, my screensaver goes on, you know, and then I need to sort of get a word of knowledge as to what the conversation was about, you know, because I'm just like, my mind just goes all over the place. So so I'm really, these days I'm learning to focus, look somebody in their eyes and then listen without giving the answer or getting the answer in your head before they finish talking. Just, just basic stuff of how do we serve people? Or are we thinking like, okay, this one cannot add to my life, therefore, uh, that box, and that one cannot add really to my life, so. Or or, or, do you know, I'm not climbing the ladder at the workplace, so do you know what that that one, you know. But when you walk into that front door and you just say, hey, how was your weekend, how was your day? And then you listen. It's part of serving. We think serving is just doing stuff. Giving somebody tea or coffee. (laughs) No, no, no. It's a heart's condition because if we love people, we serve them. Sure, it's getting very quiet here, but hallelujah, I'm just going to continue, okay? Galatians talks about this, or hospitality. I challenged you two weeks ago that everyone in church, if you're a member in church, I want you once a month to invite another family or another people in the church for a meal. Just serve them. See what a blessing it will be to become generous. No, but I don't have the time. You have one, you have one Friday open, I, I promise you. You have one Sunday afternoon open, I promise you. There's a family here, they, they mostly come in the evening services, but with all their kids, and then once every two weeks on a Friday night, they just invite 70 students to their home. And then they make food, and they don't have worship songs or all of that stuff, but people, every Friday night, people get saved in their home. They just serve them with food. They just bless them and then eventually they get words of knowledge for people and they call it Blessing Fridays. They just bless people. Now this guy is a Vernon. He won't mind me telling you they joined last year at the church, but Vernon and Himna. They in Chris Chris and them and, and Louise, Cell small group. But he's a neurologist. He works in Cape Town. If there's one guy that hasn't got time, it's him. But see, if, you're, if you realize that I'm here to serve people, not just to do stuff for them, but there's a hot thing God wants, it actually becomes, my serving becomes ministry. It becomes worship. All of us have been called to minister. Then there's so many opportunities that open up. There's so many stuff that begins to happen and how God begins to use you in the strangest ways. Why? Because that person... Even behind the till there, he's got a name and it has got a family and it has got stuff they, that's bugging them. So just a simple question like, hey, can I pray for you? <laughs> Have you got any needs? If suddenly your serving becomes not stuff I do because the church asked me or they tell me I must evangelize, then evangelism isn't a little program we do. It's a lifestyle because you realize like, wow, there's an opportunity that I can minister to this person. I don't need a word of knowledge and a prophetic word for them every time and I don't need to like pray for every... But, but when I have a heart of a servant, whoa, then it doesn't matter who is it. I'm not intimidated by them. I can serve them. I can minister to them. Turn to your neighbor and say, each one a minister. So where where do we serve? How can we serve? There's a lot of stuff in giving and bearing others' burdens and serving at the church. There's a lot of stuff where we need to start. Most people will say, well, I don't have time. No, you have, because it's a heart's attitude. But you actually also need, if if serving becomes a ministry, then you need discernment and obedience is the key. Now, for some people, there are some people that are just great at serving. It's like my wife, Louise, she doesn't like speaking on a mic. You will probably never see her here. But you'll always see her with that 180 kids there. Because that's her passion, is children's ministry. And she, would, she sleeps dreams and thinks children, next generation. So sometimes I have to like 11 o'clock at night, she's like, woo. then she's got an idea. And then I say, we lying in bed, you know, <laughs> leave the idea. No, no, this idea must happen now, you know, because I don't, I don't need to tell her. I, I, I don't need to tell her. It's not a job. She's passionate about it because it's something God has placed in her heart. And, and fitting with her makeup, that's like, whoa, she just like, not makeup, like, makeup like this, you know, makeup like the way God has made her, you know. She's just a natural, mercy-orientated person. So she just serves naturally. So even for her that serves naturally, and there's a lot of people here that are very mercy-orientated, you cannot just serve because you serve. Now, now, some of us are very lazy and very selfish on this side, and then there's the super-servers on this side. And the super-servers, they burn out a lot of time because they just want to serve everywhere and then the lazy ones they just like always busy for other stuff and want to have the conversations and all that stuff but don't don't want to serve so so you may find yourself in somewhere in that spectrum but all of us when it comes to serving and being a servant you can't just serve because you serve it's simply it's an act of obedience and you need discernment where God wants you to serve, because the super mercy-oriented people and servants they burn out easily because they like just they'll go for it. You don't need to ask them. Where's, where's Richard? Richard, yeah, sound man. Now you know I have to tell Richard, Richard, stay away from church at least once, <laughs> yeah, because 6 a.m. Richard is here, 10 p.m. on a Sunday Richard is here, yeah. 100 Richards and will change the world, okay? Next to him, Andre, I'm going to highlight on you as well, you know, Andre and his wife. They are these amazing musicians, but then they come and they say, look here, but they can't play in the band if they don't serve. They want to first know what it's about. So then they come and do the setup of the Afrikaans service and they go around and he's been here early this morning, him and his wife, his wife is pregnant, but they serve him. But see then, it's, it's not because you put somebody on a list. It's because, hey, I've learned that even everything I do is ministry unto God and ministry for his people. What a privilege to be able to represent God. But I need discernment because I realize, like, sure, I need to know where my heart is at. Because it's not, it, it, for some of us, it comes easily, for some of us, not. You can look at the... All the servants, there's more than hundred people serving us to be here this morning. In the children's church, doing the coffee, a lot of, lot of people just serving. But serving can kill you if it's not worship and ministry. So the usher at the door, there in front, it's ministry. Why? Because I, I'm inviting somebody into the kingdom of God. I'm a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. So I don't just stand there and say like, hello. Hello, you know, nice day for you. I need to actually pray over those people that come in. I say, Lord, everyone that walks past here, let your kingdom come. Because while I'm first seeking the kingdom of God, I've got a heart. I'm a servant of the king. I'm not a servant of the church. I'm not a servant of my family. I'm, I'm doing stuff because I, in my heart... God has done something and that's why the motivation of serving listen to this in Galatians 5 verse 13 for you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another there are so many people that have got a liberty in how Jesus has sent he's died for us and forgiven us and we have this massive liberty and we use the liberty as an opportunity for the flesh to just feel good and i want to invite you to that growth phase in your life where sometimes you're going to feel used sometimes even abused by people in the church but if you're doing it for them you're going to be in trouble if you're doing it for him <laughs> There's a great reward. There's this fulfillment of knowing that I'm part of what God is doing. And there's nothing in this life that will satisfy you. Like seeing the king being glorified. That's why we live. And so we're talking about in this series about consumerism and a culture of consumerism and individualism and conformity to a society. The world just wants us to conform but there's a group of people that out of love they've realized i've been set so i've, I've i'm completely free through, through christ i cannot deserve that through my doing or through my worship there's nothing i can add to that freedom i must just learn to receive that but freely you have received now freely give <laughs> and what an opportunity to serve others what an opportunity when you go to small group and you begin to think like sure I don't actually need these people. Do you know what? I can actually go on with my life like this. But, but to have this privilege to say, Lord, use me to serve them. <laughs> use me to bless them. <laughs> I've got the opportunity to speak blessing. It's like this guy now after his fourth red wine last night, and I'm just sitting there drinking the appetizer, one after the other, you know, cheersing with the appetizer because, you know. And I'm just, I'm just saying, I want to bless you. And he looks at me and thinks like, He he really tried to get at me, you know. He he wanted to get me to be angry or to just say, oh, people like you are just offended out of the church. And I just said to him, hey, sorry. You know, we make lots of mistakes. There's no perfect church. But I want to bless you. And I can see that you can't sleep at night. That's why you're using those pills. That's why your life is in a mess. But can I pray for you? And suddenly, look. didn't expect that. Did Jesus not say, go and bless your enemies? Even though when they persecute you and say bad stuff about you, you have the opportunity to be a servant. If you're just serving, you're going to get angry, you're going to try to hit them, you're going to try, I'm not talking about being a doormat, I'm talking about an attitude of our hearts, that you can say, I bless you. Yes brother, I bless you. I, I just, sure, it's, And sometimes it's difficult. (laughs) It's difficult. Because we want to go into the self-pity party of, yeah, yeah, look at them. They don't understand me. And look at them. And then, you know, we we set up with offense regularly. But when you're a servant, you don't get offended. Because you realize you're doing it not for people. You're doing it for the king. Through love, serve one another. Last slide. Are you still with me? And then we're going to serve each other outside. Pray. What does your prayer life look like? The hidden part of your Christian walk. That part that's not seen. Listen to what, what David writes in Psalm 141. He says, let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. <laughs> like they burnt incense in the tabernacle. Sure, that's my prayer going up. It's worship. It's not just stuff I do. It's serving God, serving his people, being a priest, standing between God and his people and then speaking his word over his people. It's called intercession. We're going to have an opportunity like that today when we take communion together and we pray for our nation. Say, God, we want to stand in the gap. How can we serve this nation with your word? It's called intercession. Listen to this. In Acts, Acts, there was regular times of prayer. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour it's sort of like these stuff we missed but there were hours of prayer people went to pray it was part of their lifestyle why? because hey when we serve others when we're servants it's in our inner room we're serving God we're bringing the word of God we're speaking the word of God over them long before they've seen it it's not about what happens it's, it's like sure I'm praying for that family member We've encouraged you to pray for six people this year that you, don't, that you know don't know the Lord. Just keep on praying for them. Say, Lord, open up the eyes of their understanding. Lord, sure, looks like it's going worse in their life. Are they going to turn to you because I'm speaking your word over them? And then the last verse here in Ephesians 6. This is now after we've put, up the, put on the armor of God. After we've put, up the, put on the helmet of salvation, we're standing. We're not fighting. We're not running around. We're standing, then what do we do? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this one end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. You've put on your armor. You're standing in the fullness of Christ. Whoa, you're clothed with Christ. And then it says praying always. Standing in the gap. Oh, you need perseverance. Supplication is asking, being watchful. Being vigilant. And so we start. Our hearts change in our quiet time with God. Our prayer life. And there are many Christians that pray two minutes a day. And then they think the devil is going to stay away. (laughs) Sorry, rather eat the apple. Okay. I I think I told the story here last week of this pastor i think i told you about the pastor that prayed for the people to get spiritful did i tell it here in in a in a persecuted country did i not tell it can you remember no okay let me tell it again okay but um so this i met this pastor from a very persecuted country the second or third highest persecuted country so they go in and they literally don't know if they're going to come out alive never and so now most of the time when they get into these caves or places where they train people and disciple them, they will do it in complete darkness because they don't want, to rec- they don't want people to recognize them or if they see somebody else and that person gets persecuted or gets you know, tortured, then they won't be able to say, oh, him and him and she was also there, so you know, so, the, so just to protect each other. So they literally sit for two hours in darkness and then the people training would know all the scriptures by our heart and just talk through the scriptures and do all the training. So now they, this guy's telling me he's sitting, sitting in this underground bunker type of thing and there's nine of them and they're beginning to pray. And so, so he says, he tells the story of how they go and, they, and these people have been walking. This one guy he has been, he's been walking for days to get there. Now for three days without food, just water, they're sitting down there and they're training them. And so, so then this guy begins to just weep and he says, I'm so longing for the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So now nine of them are sitting there and the the two of them, and so, so now I begin to pray from the one side to the other side and it's completely dark. So when they get to the last one, the guy begins to shine like Moses. He shines like a light. His face shines up And he lets up the whole cave for the rest of the day or for two hours that was left of the day. So they're sitting there and I wonder what he sang. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, I don't know. That's just a joke. But there 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 was such a hunger and because of that, you know, imagine you're sitting there in the cave and this guy just begins to shine when he got spirit full. You know, and, 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 and here we sort of like pray for each other and we think like, yo, 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 I'm spirit-filled, I did like once, you know, but that's sort of like, received the gifts like five years ago or ten years ago, but I'm sort of just going on with my life. God has given us these tools, the gifts of the Holy Spirit to minister to one another. He's given us this ability to speak into lives. Why? Because we're all ministers, we're servants of God. We slaves of God, bond slaves. No, I don't want to be called a slave. Well, there's books in the Bible like Philemon, Philemon, so some people say. Where the writer says to the slave, Hey, be a good slave. How's that for your doctrine? Obey your masters. Be a nice slave. Serve him as if you serve God. But wasn't slavery then wrong? Whew, there goes your doctrine. No, but I'm complaining all the time because you don't know how tough my boss is. I'm going to end with this story. I, I, I worked this five years. I just wanted to go into the ministry and preach to people and all of that stuff. And the Lord said, you're going to need to learn to be a servant. So now I worked under this guy, this financial director that was a sort of a, a pain. Uh, like a toof tooth, tooth, toof, you know? Everything needed to like be, he was a perfectionist. So so I didn't like working under him and I complained a lot. After nine months, I almost lost my job, the first nine months, because he called me and he says, your heart isn't here. There's something wrong. Pull up your socks. And so I had to change my attitude because I didn't think that was spiritual at all. Yeah, But then I started just to say, okay, Lord, you've placed me here. You've given this job supernaturally. You know, I got the job as I was looking. There was still, telephone book to to all the students you don't know what a telephone book is you know but but it's like this thick book that they deliver at your home and there you can could have gone through and then all the telephone numbers of the people are in there okay and so i went through the telephone book looking for for somebody in somerset west and then as i was looking that the number jumped up like just out of the blue of all these numbers a number of a person there and the Holy Spirit says, phone that, that person. So I thought, like, I don't know this person. I don't know what's going on here. So I pick up the phone and I phone that number. And I said, I don't know, but I'm looking for a job. Um, I, don't know. I don't know why I'm phoning you. And the lady said, can you come in for an interview tomorrow morning? Now, that's Lauren Moran. That's in Joburg's mom. was. So... God supernaturally provided the job, and now he provided the job, and now I've got a bad attitude, and I, it's not what I wanted to do, and I'm working so hard, and I'm feeling like this isn't really spiritual, and this is the toughest ever. And then the Lord just regularly asked me, now, who provided the job? Oh, you did, Lord. But, but, but Lord, I'm just looking for something new. I'm, do you know, this is a new season. I need to, I need to... I need to get out there. And the Lord says, I'm not finished with your season. <laughs> Ooh. Because we want to escape into some time stuff. And especially young people today, they don't want to work hard, you know. But case, long story short, after two years of changing my attitude first, realizing like hey, I'm actually serving God. I'm actually worshiping him with this work. I'm doing it for him. <laughs> One day I was walking into the office of this guy that was really tough, and then the funny thing, my ring started to burn. I've never had something like that. It's the weirdest experience, one of the weirdest experiences. My ring on the finger started to burn like crazy. So I'm walking into his office, and then I'm thinking like, "Shoo." I put the ring in my pocket and I talked to him. It was still month in, so it's crazy. Things are going, accountants, month in, don't bother them. Okay, so so here I go and go back again and then everything was fine. Put on the ring again and after 10 minutes I walked into his office again and my ring finger starts to burn like crazy. And I'm thinking like, this is so weird. I don't know what's happening here. Walked out again and then it was fine. Then I put on the ring again and so the whole day about three or four times and eventually... I walk in I realize, okay, Lord, you must obviously be speaking to me, but I don't know what's happening to me. This is a weird experience. I'm not into these stuff, you know, whatever. And then the Lord says to me, you need to pray for him. I say, no, Lord, <laughs> definitely not, you know. <laughs> Lord, send somebody else. Here I am. I'm going somewhere else, you know. <laughs> Every excuse. You know? So I went out again and exactly the same happened. Eventually now I go in and I get all my guts, all the confidence. And I, as I go in, I just kick the door and close the door and I walk up to his thing and I say I know we're quite busy again my ring burns on the finger and I put it down put it on the table I say um I've never done this but I need to do it be obedient because I need to pray for your marriage and I'll never forget it he sat on his chair and he kicked kicked against the side and and the chair pushed back He turned around in one of these swivel chairs and stuff and he just started to weep in his arms like this. He just wept. And he said, my wife walked out on me this morning. And I said, God, I've been a workaholic. If you are alive, please save my marriage. And so they snort and trana over all the accounting books. I first went to lock the door because I thought this is going to be strange, me standing over him and prophesying over his marriage and all that stuff. And there we prayed, left all the books and all that stuff. But then I realized, wow, Lord, what an opportunity. Because you've placed me there as a priest, as a servant of God. I'm serving God. I'm not serving, I'm not working there to be somebody that just gets a salary. I'm there to stand between the living and the dead and to declare who God is.